Good morning and a merry, merry Christmas to everyone from Cindy and from me, from our kids, uh, as we celebrate Christmas morning together in Kirkwood, our whole family's together. Uh, today it's a real treat for us, and so we, uh, we're just delighted to have Christmas together in the Ricks household, and uh, I hope and trust and pray that your Christmas morning uh, is joyful and is filled with, uh, with God's presence. Thanks for taking some time to uh, to consider God's word this morning, uh, to set a few minutes aside uh, for worshiping Him. Uh, I know we have included a couple of uh, Christmas hymns that uh, Chip recorded a few years ago. So enjoy his gifts and his his talents, even though you can't see him face to face. Maybe you can imagine that Texas armband uh, on his on his wrist as he's playing the guitar. Uh, I heard a story a few years ago about a pastor who was approached. Uh, by a person in his church uh, around Christmas time. Uh, it was a few days before Christmas. And the person came to the pastor and said, do you know of anybody who could use some extra help this time of year? I have some extra groceries, have some, some money to buy some clothing. Do you know anybody who could use some help? And there was a woman in his church who was a single mom who had five kids. She was very poor. She worked a couple of extra jobs uh, just to make ends meet uh, and just barely got by, lived in a kind of a ramshackle small house at the end of the road in this town uh, where he was pastoring and he said absolutely I, I i know this woman and she could certainly use some help and so he threw on his winter coat and went with uh the person who stopped by his home and they they picked up some things and they went to her house and knocked on her door and she came to the door and was bundled up because they didn't have a whole lot of heat in their house and the pastor greeted her and said, do you know anybody that could use some extra help this time of year? And he said it somewhat uh, tongue-in-cheek, somewhat um, uh, with a bit of humor, knowing that, that they had come to help her. And she said, just a minute. And she went inside and she got her coat and she said, let's go. And she started to walk down the steps and, and out to the street. And he said, where are you going? And she said, I'm, we're going to go a little further down the street here. And they walked down the street and there was another family. Uh, another single mom who had several children who didn't go to their church, uh, who was not a believer but was uh, actually in a little uh, worse off condition than this woman. Uh, she immediately thought of someone else. When the pastor was clearly trying to say to her, we, we've come to help you, and he was just you know trying to find a fun way to, to say that. Uh, but his question sparked within her an immediate response of, who do I know that needs help, that needs some grace. You know, when you think about Christmas, um, in many respects our culture has turned that kind of thinking on its ear. Uh, Christmas, which should be about 
the greatest gift ever uh, should be about uh, compelling disciples of Jesus to remember the gift of God and, and to call us to giving. It, it's become very consumer-oriented. I'm, I'm not sharing anything with you that you don't already know, but Christmas nowadays seems to teach the opposite of that of that question uh, who could i help who could use some extra help christmas actually uh, encourages selfishness it encourages a focus on me and my wants and my needs uh, it has become the opposite i think of what uh, it was intended and so i want to come back to this question you know who who thinks like this who who is the person that when asked a question where clearly they are in need of assistance, they immediately think of someone else? And I want to answer that question, obviously not with, with my ideas and my thoughts, but I want to go to Scripture. I'm not going to read a Christmas text per se this morning. I'm actually going to be reading out of the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi. I'm going to be reading out of the second chapter, and I'm going to be reading the first 11 verses. This morning I'm going to use the translation that's known as the message, uh, and I'm doing that because uh, I know that families are probably gathered listening to this and not just individuals. And so I've, I've chosen a text that is uh, a little bit more user-friendly for perhaps some of our younger listeners they can follow along maybe just a bit easier uh, so hear the word of god philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 uh, from the the translation the message if you've gotten anything at all out of following christ if his love has made any difference in your life if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you if you have a heart if you care then do me a favor agree with each other Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves in the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became a human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died selfless, obedient death, the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you on this Christmas morning uh, for the opportunity to pause and to reflect on your grace and your faithfulness. Father, we would not have a Christmas morning had it not been for the Lord Jesus coming and taking on uh, humanity, uh, becoming a man, being born in a, in a, in a barn, in a, in a stable, uh, in a very poor condition and grew up and faced all of the challenges that, that we face on a daily basis, uh, but did so in perfect obedience to you so that he could go to the cross for those of us who have been so disobedient. Oh, Father, I pray that you would teach us from your word this morning. I pray that you would give us uh, insights and understanding 
uh, that you would be glorified and that we would we would grow, that we would be strengthened in our faith. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I want to kind of stick with this question. Who thinks like this? Who, who thinks of uh, someone else in greater need? I, I remember uh, a few years ago, my mom got out some old tape recordings of Christmas morning, and I, I must have been in fourth grade or third grade, something like that. And I had wanted some kind of army gun for Christmas, and uh, it was a very certain kind. I had I had it all picked out, knew exactly what it was. And you can hear in the background as, as the children, me being one of them, are opening our gifts, that I opened my present, uh, and it was the wrong gun. It was the wrong gift. Uh, Santa had gotten it had gotten it wrong. And I remember uh, uh, listening to this and, and hearing that little voice in the background. And then you can hear my dad saying to my mom, kind of off to the side, I told you that wasn't the right gun. I told you that wasn't the right gun. <laughs> You know that's how we how we tend to think. Um, did you get it right for me? Did you, did you did you make sure that you took care of me? I'm at the center. I am most important. So how do we get our thinking to go in a different direction? Well, I want to look at this passage, and I actually want to look at it backwards. Um, I want to start with the last few verses and work our way to the first few verses because I think in this passage we will get a clear understanding. Uh, of what Paul is encouraging the Christians of Philippi and, and how the Holy Spirit is encouraging us today to have our thinking changed to truly reflect uh, what God's Christmas is all about. The very end of this passage, God sa- uh, Paul says that God has lifted Jesus on high. He's honored him far beyond anyone or anything. So that every uh, creature, every human being, everything that has life and breath, whether uh, it's alive today or has lived in the past and is now raised back to life, that everyone will praise Jesus, that everyone will bow before Jesus. How does that happen? Why is Jesus the center of this unbroken praise? Why is Jesus the one who is going to receive worship and glory and honor? Was it because uh, Jesus thought of himself and made sure he put himself in the most important position? Well, clearly Jesus is the name above every name. And there was a time, as we saw earlier in the, in the um, chapter, and we'll come back to that in a minute, that he was seated at the right hand of the Father, receiving glory and honor. That's Jesus' rightful place. And so on the one hand, we could say that, that God was simply acknowledging Jesus for who he, he is. That the Father is simply saying, this is my son, and everyone should worship him. He's, he's part of the Godhead. And, and that would be very true. Uh, and that would be very right. Jesus doesn't need to do anything for us to deserve our praise and worship. He simply deserves it because he is God the Son. But Paul says there is a reason behind this particular act of worship. There's a reason at this particular moment that God the Father is calling attention to his Son. And we see that not in the the latter verses, but in the middle verses, in verses 5 through 8, where Paul talks about how Jesus thought about himself. He said that it was clear that Jesus had equal status with God the Father. But he didn't cling to that advantage. He didn't hold on to it. He didn't grasp it. In other words, he didn't make himself the most important object. But rather, he set aside his glory. He left heaven and he became human. And as the message says, he stayed human. He didn't become human for a moment or two. He didn't 
you know, stop by to visit the troops. Maybe you have a picture of a, of a president or, or a vice president or someone in power who goes to the to the front lines on uh, on Christmas time. People in my generation would think back to Bob Hope and celebrities going and visiting the troops uh, as they were deployed. Uh, but those folks just stay for a few moments or, or for an hour or two, and maybe they have, share a meal in a very safe barracks surrounding, and then they and then they leave and they go back to their safe homes. This doesn't say that. It says that Jesus stayed human. He undertook an unbelievably humbling process. Why? So that he would be at the center and receive praise? No, that was going to happen. But that wasn't his motivation. His motivation was our salvation. His motivation was redeeming us, saving us from our sins. His motivation was giving us a real reason to celebrate on Christmas morning. And so he didn't claim his special privileges. He lived a selfless and obedient life. And at the end of that, he died a selfless, obedient death, as the message says. He, he suffered and died at the cross so that we could have life. He took the punishment that we deserved. So as we work backwards through the text, we see that Jesus is the center of unbroken praise, and that is right and good and perfect. But we also see that in this particular instance, he is the center of this praise because he became selfless, because he gave, he did not cling to what he uh, rightly deserved, but rather he gave himself freely. Uh, Because of that gift, uh, there, there is going to be a celebration that's going on in heaven for all of eternity. Those of us that live in St. Louis, maybe some of you are listening to this who, who are away from St. Louis, but we just won the World Series, as everybody knows, and uh, what a celebration that was. You talk to people and you ask them, you know, were you at Game 6? Were, were you at Game 7? Uh, where were you when, uh, when Freeze hit that home run to extend Game 6, to win Game 6 and to extend it to Game 7? I had the privilege of going to Game 1 with a, a friend of mine called and invited me to come along what an amazing uh experience that was but then the parade afterwards and the holding up the trophy and and being world champions well have that picture in your mind and magnify it times ten thousand, and the praise that jesus will receive but he receives the praise because he fought the fight he didn't just hit a home run he didn't just play a baseball season he lived a perfectly obedient life to the father and then suffered the death that he didn't deserve that we deserve, but he did that in our place so that we who deserve to be punished could have forgiveness, could have life, could have redemption. So who thinks like that? Who thinks about somebody else first? Who thinks about humbling themselves and giving everything so that someone else can have the gift of life? Jesus does. It doesn't come from within you and me. Oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, just look from within, and from within you'll find the answer. I don't know about you. When I look within, a lot of times I don't like what I see. Uh, I see more of a selfishness. I see more of a Tom-centered world than a Christ-centered worshiping life. I don't think the answer, I know the answer doesn't reside inside the human heart. It resides in our connection to Jesus. And that brings us to the first few verses of this text where Paul uh, asks his friends for a favor. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, if that means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. 
Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Uh, I would suggest that we will never understand what it means to give to another first until we connect ourselves to Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying. He's talking about the union that we have with Christ. He's talking about the relationship that we have with Jesus. He's talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within every believing disciple of Jesus. And he calls on our unity with Jesus as a foundation for an outward focus that cares about others before ourselves. We can, within our own selves from time to time, lend a helping hand. I've seen people who, who don't know Jesus, who, who in fact would, would say they, they don't want to be in a relationship with Jesus, offer an act of kindness. But I've never seen anyone apart from a relationship with Christ whose life is truly transformed so that their knee-jerk reaction, their immediate response, when someone knocks on their door with a gift that they need desperately to say, no, not, not me, there's somebody who needs it more. Let me get my coat. Let's let's go down the street. That's the kind of heart. That's the kind of changed life. Lived lived in this world and lived before this world that changes this world. That's when people stop and say, wait, there's something different about those Christians. They don't think about themselves first. They don't push their way to the front. And even when they have a need, they think of the needs of others first. I remember reading uh, in my, during my seminary years about uh, the time in church history where the Black Death was sweeping Europe and, and people were dying by the thousands. Uh, and the populations all over Europe were fleeing the cities. They were fleeing Paris. They were, they were fleeing uh, all the, the different um, large metropolises, uh, Rome and, and other cities, because the Black Death was so prevalent in close quarters where people lived right next to each other. And so you can just imagine this the stream of humanity flowing out of these large cities and a small trickle of, of folks going into the cities. Who were the people that were going into the cities to care for the dying, to stand alongside those who were hurting and, and, and probably going to their own death because it was such a contagious disease? It was, it was the priests, it was the pastors, it was the Christians. It was, it was the men and women of God who did not consider their lives more important than the lives of, of those who were dying. And they went to care to offer a hand. Uh, they couldn't rescue, they couldn't ultimately save. And, and most of them ultimately lost their lives. But their, their immediate reaction when confronted with this question was not, how can I be safe? How can I save my life? But rather, where can God use me to bring his compassion to others? Because that's what Christ has done for me. And so this Christmas morning, uh, where, uh, where maybe you're tempted to kind of you know, get to that stocking quick and make sure you got exactly what you want, or maybe you're a little down because uh, you didn't quite get the gift you wanted, um, let me encourage all of us, my, myself at the top of the list, to remember that there there is going to be a day where we, we won't have Christmas morning because we want to remember our relationship with Jesus because we'll be with him face to face. 
And that will be glorious. That will be amazing. The reason we'll be with him, the reason we will be in this celebration, this incredible party for all of eternity, this incredible existence that we, we can't even begin to explain now. To our, my kids used to ask me when they were younger, tell me about heaven, and, and it's, it's impossible. Um, but it will be beyond our wildest imagination. We will be there because Christ, Jesus, thought of us before he thought of himself. That when asked the question, do you know anybody could use some help? <laughs> he says, yes, lost mankind. And I will pay whatever the price is so that they can be redeemed. And if that stirs in your heart, if that stirs in my heart, whether you're five years old or like me, 52 years old or somewhere older or somewhere younger, my prayer is that that connection in our heart to Christ would transform our lives. So when the knock comes on our door, when we see someone in need, when we have an opportunity to to share the gospel with someone, when we have a chance to uh, go the extra mile and forego something that maybe we would like in order that someone else can be helped, our connection, our deep-seated connection, thankful, joyful connection to Jesus for what he has done for us, will actually cause us to be the person who thinks like that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you this morning that you saw fit to humble yourself. That you weren't focused on your praise and on your worship, but you were focused on lost and broken sinners. And you gave all of your glory up. You didn't even hesitate. You didn't blink an eye. When the knock on your door came, you said, I I know lots of folks who have great need, and I will go, and I will save them. We thank you for that, and we pray that this day as we celebrate, as we uh, open gifts and and exchange gifts, and I I thank you for that, Lord, because giving gifts and receiving gifts reminds us that that we are recipients of your grace. And so, Lord, I I thank you that we can share those things with one another. I thank you that Green Tree had a chance to share those gifts with, with kids in the Kirkwood School District. I think of those kids this morning who are opening up gifts that they wouldn't have had elsewise. Thank you, Lord, that we get to do that. But I pray that all of that would point us to the truth that's found in this word, that as we are connected to you and we're reminded of your grace and your mercy and your faithfulness, that it would change our hearts, that we would be the person who knows someone who could really use some help, and we give of ourselves freely and joyfully in order to bring them to Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, thanks for uh, spending a little bit of your Christmas with me, again, from my family uh, to you and to all those you love. Uh, we wish you the very merriest of Christmas, a very happy New Year. And don't forget, here's the commercial part of the tape, come to Kirkwood High School on Sunday morning, uh, the 1st of January, for our one service on uh, New Year's Day at 9 o'clock at the Keating Center at Kirkwood High School. We look forward to seeing you there. The Lord bless you. Go in peace.